0: Hi, you're listening to Sensationalist Science, a podcast about science, the media, and the truth behind those astonishing headlines you've read. I'm your host, Git MK aka the Health Nerd, and today I'll be chatting about an issue that's pretty common to us all: childbirth. If you're alive today, chances are that at some point being born was central to your existence, even if it is not quite as important today. Recently, Childbirth has been in the news because of a scary-sounding study that purported to find that epidurals, a type of pain relief often given during labour for a variety of reasons, was associated with autism. Which of course sparked scary headlines because nothing gets us all going like those nasty chemicals and what they are doing to our children. Fortunately, despite the worrying stories, The truth is that you probably don't need to be as afraid as the headlines might suggest. I think that's probably a good thing, because childbirth is scary enough already. So sit back, relax, and let's get to some sensationalist headlines, and perhaps less sensational science. I'll be joined shortly by two amazing experts from Canada because this is a truly global podcast. Uh, Dr. Valerie Zafaratos, the Assistant Chief of the Department of Anesthesia and Lead Obstetrics Anesthetics at Maisonneuve-Rosemont Hospital, who is also an assistant professor at the University of Montreal, and Dr. Dolores McKean, the chief of the Women's and Obstetric Department of Anesthesia at the Isaac Walton Killiam Health Centre and professor at Dalhousie University's Department of Anesthesia, Pain Management and Perioperative Medicine, who is also the president of the Canadian Anesthesiologists Society. Throughout this podcast, I will be using the word anesthesiologist, and anaesthetist interchangeably, because uh, they mean the same thing depending on where you live. Before we get to my preeminent guests, however, I'll quickly introduce you to the study we're talking about. It garnered headlines in the international media, with epidurals during childbirth linked to higher autism risk, from Newsmax, and study links epidural in childbirth to slightly higher risk for autism, from UPI.com. Now the slightly there in that headline may be the first clue to you that not all is as it seems, but let's read on. The study itself was a fairly simple retrospective epidemiological piece of research that looked at a large dataset of babies born to people between 2008 and 2015 called Association between Epidural Analgesia during Labour and Risk of Autism Spectrum Disorders in Offspring. The authors found that, when accounting for some confounding factors, children born to people who had had epidural analgesia had a 37% higher relative risk of developing autism within the study's reporting period, although this scary-sounding increase in relative risk only corresponded to an absolute increase from 1.3% in the non-epidural group to 1.9% in the epidural group, which is an increase of 0.6%. But even that 0.6% increase... Is less worrying than you might imagine, and I mean, it's already gone from a terrifying 37% increase to 0.6% in just one sentence. But now, as you'll find out in my interview with the wonderful Drs. Zafaratos and McKean, it's perhaps even less worrying than that number might suggest. Fantastic. Thank you both for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Gideon. Thank you for having us. Thanks for inviting us.
0: No, it's absolutely my pleasure. I think it's a very important issue. And so maybe if we get right into the questions, um, the first thing I'd like to ask you both is what do you think about the results of this study?
1: So it's Dolores. I can jump in. Um, I certainly think that... um, this study may actually bring up more questions um, than what it answers for uh, women who are uh, considering um, requesting labor analgesia for their, of their baby. Um, this kind of uh, research um, often is, generates uh, more questions than it answers in terms of, uh, you know, um, uh, coming up with associations, but we can't prove that these, one thing leads to another. So I think sometimes um, uh, it, can, it can cause women to have more uh, fear and anxiety and uncertainty around uh, having uh, choices around Libra analgesia.
2: And that's a major thing that Dolores just mentioned is that um, the causality link, uh, this is an association uh, in these results. It's not a causality link. So it doesn't mean that A causes B. This is a very important point. Um, you know, when you use big data and you have all this data, sometimes, um, you know, confounding variables are actually, um, you know, hidden in this data and you're not. To necessarily um, know what made this association, and most experts agree to say that these results—I mean, the statistics are, are correct. Like this is the study was done very statistically sound. Um, and the problem is, is that there's probably confounding variables that uh, explain why this association was found, um, and it's it's very very complex. Um, you know, giving birth is complex. The reason why people uh, will choose to have uh, epidural pain relief is complex. Um, it has to do with socio, um, socioeconomic, uh, you know, variables it has to do with, um, you know, personal health choices, cultures. Uh, it, it's very vast. So it's very, very difficult to say that, um, you know, epidural liberal analgesia actually causes uh, autism. It's it's right now they just found an association. So we need to be careful to say that uh, it's not necessarily uh, a cause.
0: Yeah, I think that's a point that I, I'm really interested in. in- discussing cuz from what i've heard from uh, other experts on twitter mostly is that it's hard to define a co- a reasonable causal inference that might be causing this that no one no one as yet has been able to suggest a mechanism that might be causing uh, autism due to this sort of analgesia and so i was wondering what your perspective on that might be so
1: i i can sort of jump in and sort of say when you look at some of the data that the um that the uh, the authors used in terms of Rhesus monkeys, um, and uh, and sort of the 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 drugs that were used, um, really there's not a lot of biologic plausibility as to as to why um, you know that you would get a significant amount. Very little of this drug crosses um, into the placenta or into into the blood brain barrier. Um, so there doesn't seem to be a, a lot of really good um, sort of why, why we would think that that one would cause the other? So I think that does um, that does provide some challenges I think in this study. The other thing that is not well controlled is the fact that um, you know they didn't really look at the different drugs that were being used and the different concentrations that were being used. So again, you know, it doesn't really sort of lead. Uh, one to the other. And the only, the only really way that we can kind of come up with, and, and, and as an epidemiologist, I'm sure you're very aware of this, in, in terms of real causality is to do a randomized control trial, which would be probably pretty challenging in this patient population. So I think there are lots of things around the, the biologic plausibility and the, the actual study methodology that makes it challenging to figure out how one thing could cause another
0: yeah absolutely i mean as you say if you go back to kind of the basic epidemiological principles they haven't demonstrated a lot of the things that you would expect to be associated with a causal mechanism like there's as far uh, in in the study there's no uh, biologic gradient with an increased risk at, at you know different cutoffs um there's there's very little of that sort of um, kind of causal interpretation uh, interpretation that you'd usually expect in a sort of study or i mean there are limitations to the data, and you can't always get, you know, the perfect study that you want to do. But it's the sort of thing that you would hopefully need to make that sort of inference. Um, so, do 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 you either of you think that this study has changed your recommendation for people giving birth, uh, or or even has changed your recommendations at all?
1: You want to jump in, Val? Yeah, uh,
2: I don't actually. No, it 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 can't change the recommendations because. Um, there are confounding variables, so you know. Right now, all medical societies we agree that there is not enough evidence to say that this is a causal link. Um, this is one study. Um, it was it was well done in terms of statistics. Um, one of the major points that I felt uh, was lacking was that this study did not have an editorial to nuance uh, proper, appropriately the results that were uh, found. Um, and in the discussion, it, it also didn't nuance um, the results that were found um, in, in an appropriate way to um, to say that there is no causal link. So uh, right now, um, what we try to um trial women is uh, what we do know and what is very uh, solid evidence. So randomized controlled trials or meta-analysis that were done from that randomized control trials, We do know that uh, epidurals do re- decrease pain. They decrease pain considerably. They're the best modality to decrease pain during labor. Um, we know as well that uh, it does not increase your risk for having cesarean delivery. Um, and there's also other things that, uh, that we know about uh, epidural this technology since, you know, I mean, it was invented in the 1950s, and it really started uh, being used more and more in, since the 1970s. So we have a lot of uh, history to, um, that we know about epidural analgesia. So um, right now, we, we would not change recommendations at all, and it would be more of a, of a reassurance to women Um I want to add that, we, you know, we've decreased doses throughout the years. You know, in the 1970s, these huge uh, doses, like four times the dose that we use now. Um, and we've really pinpointed um, how much local anesthetic we really need just to take away pain, but not uh, the strength of the legs, for instance. So in many centers, uh, women can actually walk around with epidural pain relief. Um, you know, they're gonna be able to push. Um, so there they, you know, all of these things they they need to be known because a lot of people think that uh, you know, with epidural pain relief, once you get it, then you're kind of like stuck in bed and you won't be able to move around. It's not uh necessarily the case. Of course it depends on many, many factors, but um you know, the local anesthetic that has been decreased with time um, helps uh, women to move around.
1: And Gideon, I would just sort of say that um, you know, uh, labor epidurals are used for several reasons they're used to obviously um, improve maternal pain um, and to improve the labor experience for uh, for for moms and babies but in actual fact we use labor we use labor epidurals for a lot of medical reasons as well um, to actually make labor safer um, for moms and babies Um, moms that have certain medical conditions um, their conditions you know like things like uh, blood pressure, increased blood pressure in pregnancy, a labor epidural can actually um, improve some of those outcomes uh, when moms are in labor. As well, if we have a, a labor epidural in, um, it actually allows us to transition that 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 analgesia medication uh, to an actual anesthetic when we go to the OR. And having those uh, epidural catheters in allows for a much more timely uh, ability to um, provide surgical anesthesia and it's much safer for moms and safer for babies. And so there are a lot of other benefits to epidurals besides just pain management. And so we really would uh, encourage moms uh, and, and families um, not to make decisions based upon this that actually could have even greater harms um, if, if an epidural was not placed for medical reasons um, to, uh, to, uh, for, for treatment of other things. Um, So I think that there are uh, are lots of things that we would not change based upon this. Um, And certainly, uh, you know, placing an epidural based upon this study, uh, I don't think should be a, a deciding factor.
0: So I think thank you so much for both of uh, both of your answers. I think that actually answers the the only other question I was really going to ask, which is, uh, you know, what is your advice generally to, to people who are facing the decision to have epidural epidurals? But was there anything else you wanted to add about the, the difficult choice or perhaps easy choice that people are making?
1: So I would just echo what Valerie said earlier on that you know, labor and giving birth is a extremely um, joyful time in a lot of people's lives, but it's also extremely stressful. And um, there are lots of cultural yeah. norms. There are lots of personal uh, health choices. Um, there are lots of ways that people cope with, uh, with having babies. Um, and I think that uh, the main thing for us as healthcare providers is having a positive outcome having a healthy mom and a healthy baby and having an experience that um, is positive because uh, for a lot of women, um, babies, having babies are, is not a positive experience. And so um, we would, um, uh, you know, highly uh, advocate that, uh, you know, people um, make make choices based upon their own personal preferences um, and not based upon fear or anxiety or what, uh, you know, other people think is best for you. I think that, you uh, that uh, we need to have patient-centered care and really focus on what's important to their patients and their experience of, of having their babies. And I, I would add in as well to say that
2: um, sometimes just uh, speaking uh, with the person to find out uh, what it is they're worried about about um, epidurals. Like what did they, what did they read about that may or may not be false? Um, Something that we can inform them on, um, because obviously you read all kinds of things on Google, but um, you know when you speak really to your healthcare provider, whether it's your anesthesiologist or your obstetrician, um, you know y- you can really get the sound medical information because we're really uh, we're really reading about evidence based uh, medicine um, as as we go through our practice. I mean, this is this is uh, our job, and uh, and we're passionate about it, so we want to make sure people are well informed.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think that that's pretty much everything. Thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. I think it, hopefully uh, it will help people understand this study and, and what it means to them.
1: And Gideon, I would say there's lots of really good sources of information out there. If you go to various um anesthesia societies. So the Canadian Anesthesia Society has, uh, you know, some information and some links. Uh, the uh, SOAP, which is the Society of Obstetric uh, Anesthesiologists and Perinatology. Uh, the ASA, the Anesthesia um, uh, Society for uh, the U.S., the American Anesthesia Society. Um, so and the I think UK as well. Of, yeah, the, the UK has uh,
2: labor pains. Yeah, they have a great, uh, a great website, labor pains.
1: So there's lots of really good, reliable information out there. Um, And sometimes there are actually some of these societies have, um, you know, patient sort of uh, chat boxes or where you can submit questions. So I think there are some really reliable sources of information for patients to to go looking um, to, to, to get answers to their questions.
0: Well, fantastic. I'll make sure to put those in the show notes for anyone listening. there you have it while the headlines sound scary the reality is that this is really just another biased epidemiological trial that may or may not mean much to your life it's worth noting that many of the things that we often look at for these trials such as biological gradients which we discussed in the interview a biological gradient is where if you are exposed to more of a thing you expect the risk to increase and In this case, it didn't. Higher levels of epidural management, pain management, were not associated with a higher risk of autism. And that, generally speaking, is is a bad sign when it comes to these associations, because you expect if you get more of the bad thing, that you are more at risk of the other bad thing. Overall, it is just very unlikely that epidurals were causing the increased risk of autism seen in the study. It is much more likely that something else that the researchers could not measure or did not account for was behind the trend, particularly considering that they adjusted for relatively few confounding factors. Ultimately, if you're worried about childbirth for any reason, my advice as ever would be to talk to your doctor about it. They are best placed to give you personalised advice and reassure you about any potential issues that you may face. Just don't run your life by the media headlines because they are rarely as helpful as you might have been led to believe. Above all else, when you see a story like this, be cautious. Check the story, check the study and have a think about what it might all actually mean. This has been your dose of sensationalist science and media madness. I'm your host, GitMK, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at SensaiPod, on SoundCloud at SensaiPod, or just search Sensationalist Science wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter at, or Medium at GitMK, or Facebook at Gitmk Nerd. Have a great week, and remember, if it sounds too good to be true, or in this case, too bad to be true, it's always good to be sceptical.